Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of our Topics in Drug Testing podcast series. My name's Frank Samaro. I'm the Director of Marketing for the Drug Monitoring Franchise here at Quest Diagnostics. I'm real excited about today's episode titled The Epidemic Within the Pandemic, and it's based on the results of our recently released Health Trends study, which was released back in October of this year. I think you're really going to enjoy the discussion, and the discussion features our very own Dr. Jeff Gooden. Dr. Gooden is a senior medical advisor here at Quest for the Quest Diagnostics Drug Monitoring Franchise, and also Justin, La- Justin Niles. Justin is our lead medical informatics analyst for the Quest Diagnostics Health Trends Franchise. Justin and Jeff, great to have you with us today. Please take a minute and introduce yourselves. Thanks, Frank. Uh, as mentioned, this is Dr. Jeff Gooden. I'm a 20-25 year pain management addiction medicine specialist, recently relocated down to sunny South Florida on faculty at University of Miami, working in the anesthesia pain management department. Justin? I'm Justin Niles. I've been working for Quest for about five years, primarily in health trends, doing medical research for publications. And every year we do a lot on drug monitoring and very important topics. So uh, thank you all for having me. Thanks so much, Justin and Dr. Gooden. So I know you guys are anxious to get going. So Dr. Gooden, I'll turn it back over to you. That's great, Frank. Yeah. And look, I think I'll just get things started here by saying It's really troubling times that we're living in for lots of reasons. We're going to get into COVID and how that's affected us as a medical community. But one thing we should think about is from an opioid epidemic standpoint is I think we really started to do better and started to move in the right direction. But since the start of the pandemic, as we're going to share with you some data, I think we've really seen a surge of substance misuse. As you can imagine, there are some troubling things that happen when you add stress and social isolation together. And we really have seen a significant increase in alcohol, prescription drug, and illicit drug misuse. You know, we know that if you have the disease of substance use disorder, that you're at greater risk for getting COVID, right? There are some things that make you, that that add to your risk factors. Smoking and poor health are two of those. What we don't know is what are the risk factors for misusing drugs when we're faced with the stressors of a pandemic? So many of you know Quest Diagnostics is one of the larger labs, if not the largest in the U.S., and hence we have access to millions and millions of data samples that we could mine to give you clinicians and the general public some insights into things like drug positivity. What does it look like for certain regions of the country from a marijuana or heroin or amphetamine standpoint? And many of you know, we've been publishing at Quest, where I'm a consultant, a report each and every year called Health Trends. And this year, the reason we have Justin Niles with us today is We're excited to announce that our 2020 health trends population was entitled the opioid epidemic within the COVID-19 pandemic, where we reported some really remarkable findings from just data mining our own data on drug positivity from pre-pandemic to the first six weeks or so following the declaration of of the pandemic of the medical emergency here in the U.S., Justin, can you tell us a little bit about the genesis of this project and how we came up with some of the ideas? Uh, Sure. We saw some early indicators of rising overdose deaths by people that aren't us, but we, we found it very interesting. 
And we wondered what had happened in our own population. And instead of just doing our usual annual report, we decided that we'd look at the first couple months of data after the pandemic and see what changes were occurring. Would it be rises in drug positivity across the board or would some go up and some go down? We, we really didn't know. So we thought it was a worthwhile effort to try to inform the medical community. And that's what we did. That's great. So I'll give you a little bit of background. When the pandemic first hit, many of the medical agencies, the CDC, the AMA, even the American Society of Addiction Medicine said, look, let's postpone general medical things, right? You could probably miss one or two appointments with your doctor for your blood pressure or your cholesterol visits. Those are kind of like non-essential medical services. Let's try to do most things virtually. And I think even though as critical as that is to keeping the general population safe from COVID, I think it's had some detrimental effects on things like drug misuse. The American Society of Addiction Medicine put out some guidelines back in March or April, which they reaffirmed in September, just a couple of months ago, which said, you know, to keep healthcare workers safe, we recommend not drug testing, like putting a pause in drug testing. And think about that. That's like leaving the keys to the, uh, to the prison open or taking your foot off the gas. If you stop monitoring people with the only objective tool that we have for knowing what they're consuming, they're going to misbehave. And I think that's what we've seen. So one of these services that was affected by this pause in medical prevention services is drug testing. And we saw that with our own data. I think Justin do you remember what was the decline, like 60 or 70% in volume when we looked at it? Yeah, it was almost 70% by early April, which is just a massive, unfortunate incident yeah. there. Yeah. And I can tell you that even though the drug testing services have rebound, they have not come back to baseline, which means clinicians still are not back to testing the way that they were doing pre-pandemic. So we think that changes in drug monitoring might have contributed to this interaction between the COVID pandemic and the drug abuse epidemic that we've talked about. There's a mapping program called ODMAP sponsored by our government. It's an overdose mapping surveillance program. And some of you may have seen this. It was in the late press. I read it in the Washington Post. And this was a, a few months ago already. They published in March, April, and May of 2020. Drug overdose rates went up almost 20%, almost 30%, and a little more than 40%. Just to show you how quickly we escalated back to this crisis, 40% increase in drug overdose rates as of May 2020 compared to May 2019. And just last week, I got something that crossed the desk that showed that CPR or overdose drug crises are double that this year, what they were last year. So those numbers have only continued to increase. So at Quest, we said, hey, what is it that we could do to kind of surveil this problem, to alert the public, to publish our results, showing that there's been a, a huge increase in drug misuse since the start of the pandemic. So that was really what we wanted to do. We wanted to analyze changes in drug testing drug monitoring, and what did positivity rates look like? So Justin, why don't I turn it over to you? Tell us a little bit about the study methods. I know everybody always asks what's MedMatch when it comes to drug testing. Give us a little bit of insights there. Sure. 
each year when we do our health trends report, we look at MedMatch results. And what MedMatch is, is it's a service that we provide to clinicians so that when we see positivity for different drugs, it'll automatically tell them whether that result is consistent or inconsistent with the medications that they tell us their patient are on or prescribed. And it's a very valuable service because, you know, drug metabolism processes can get very complicated and uh, it's very useful. So we analyze that and it allows us to know when we see a drug like fentanyl, which can be prescribed, we know whether it was prescribed or not and allows us to track non-prescribed positivity over time, which is what we focused on for this study. We started by looking at a full year of data from January 19 to December 19, and we added two pre-pandemic months as well. And we compared that whole baseline time period to the first two months of the pandemic. So from March 15th to May 16th, that included a total of 881,000 specimens that met the criteria. Um, So obviously we're not talking about small samples. This is is a very large study. And we focused, as I said, on uh, positivity for non-prescribed drugs, both for drugs that can be prescribed and for drugs that are always illicit, like heroin and cocaine. We also included the presumptive immunoassay screening tests, but those were always confirmed when positive by definitive mass spectrometry, which is the uh, most accurate results available. So we, we feel very strong that we had very strong data for this study and a very large, very large study as well. Hey, Jess, let me just elaborate on one of the points that you made. So many of you have tuned into our previous podcast. There's probably around 10 of them at this point. And if you haven't, we invite you to do so at questdrugtesting.com. What you probably recognize is that there are different kinds of drug tests. So like Justin just mentioned, there are some drug tests that are simply presumptive done with immunoassay, which identifies oftentimes just the general class of drug. It'll tell us that there's an opioid positive. But then we need to go to a more specific assay that we call definitive testing. It's usually some version of mass spectrometry, and that identifies the actual drug that's in the sample. So just to clear any confusion, there are different kinds of drug tests, but the most sensitive one is what we're calling definitive testing, which gives us quantitative measurements of just how much of each specific drug is in the sample. Hey, Justin, did you mention how many samples we analyzed? The final analytical set was 872,000 out of a possible 881,000. And all we excluded were patients without known age because we thought that was important for the model and for that we'll get into later. And also people that had specimen validity testing that was abnormal with no positive results, but that was very small, only 233. So our final analytical set included 99% of the potential cohort which for anyone in the publishing world knows is quite excellent. That's awesome. Yeah. So I think as we already talked about before, one of the more distressing things we saw early on was just drug testing basically fell off a cliff. I mean, 70% decline in the number of samples that came into Quest alone. And we assume it's the same for other large laboratories out there. Let's face it. Patients were scared. They didn't want to leave the house. Almost every clinician converted to telemedicine for 99% of what they did except for medical emergencies and things where you needed to be seen physically in an office-based setting. And even when, I could tell you from our own pain center, when things started to return to normal, where patients are coming back to the clinic, clinicians and, and nurses and staff wanted to avoid contact with patients at any cost. So 
they didn't want to handle a urine specimen. And we're going to talk at the end here, you know, some of the alternatives to taking a specimen in your office. So as we talked about, the volumes of drug testing have gone way down. They have started to rebound, but again, not back to the baseline from pre-pandemic. So Justin, without further ado, why don't you give us some of the results that we had from our study? Okay. I think the key findings were that the drugs that are most responsible for the overdose epidemic in this country, fentanyl and heroin, both went up dramatically. Non-prescribed fentanyl use went up 35% and heroin went up 44%. Um, We also saw non-prescribed opiates increase, though at a lesser level, uh, 10%, and a small increase in marijuana at 4%. However, these were really the only classes that we saw increase. A lot of other drugs like benzodiazepines and amphetamines and cocaine remained relatively stable. So we thought it was very interesting that fentanyl and heroin would spike in the way that they did in the context of other drugs staying largely the same. And we even saw gabapentin decline a little bit. So we don't think this is just a function of, oh, you know, all these people were taking more drugs. We really think this was a specific phenomenon for fentanyl and heroin and a very dangerous one. Yeah, that's, that's truly remarkable thinking about how there's just a huge cohort of patients out there or substance use or opioid use disorder patients that are lending towards the heroin fentanyl opioid combinations. Speaking of combinations, I'm going to ask you about that in just a second, but Tell me a little bit about demographics. Did we see any of these results confined to any kind of single patient category, age, anything like that? We really didn't. It it was across the board. I mean, we saw a 16% increase in females, which was a significant increase, but it was larger for males at 51%. But it was exhibited across all age groups as well. I mean, from 18 to 24-year-olds, they went from a 10% positivity rate to 13.4%. But even in those over 65, we saw a significant increase from 1.6 to 2.1%. I mean, this is really was not confined to any demographic group all across population. Yeah. So there is nobody spared from the opioid epidemic for sure. Hey, Justin, you know, if you look back at our health trend reports from years ago, I think the number was either one in four or one in five samples that came into Quest had an unprescribed opioid or an unprescribed benzo. Remember, we talked about dangerous drug combinations. That's a kick that we were on for a long time. And that's still the case. Tell us a little bit about what we saw in this particular data mining exercise as far as drug positivity went from combination standpoint. After looking at our initial results and realizing that you know fentanyl was really the key driver of what we were seeing, we decided to examine the concurrent drug use specific to fentanyl. So for many years now, there has been a hugely troubling number of people that are positive for heroin that are also positive for fentanyl. We assume that is due to not being able to find pure heroin on the streets anymore. It's almost always spiked with the even deadlier fentanyl. And that went up a little bit. It went from 87%, which is already phenomenally high, to 91%. But in other drug categories, we saw extremely disturbing results. In 2019, in our baseline period, 47% of people that were positive for cocaine were also positive for non-prescribed fentanyl, which is dramatically high. And then we saw that number increase 34% to 64%. Nearly two-thirds of people that are positive for cocaine are also positive for non-prescribed fentanyl. That's absolutely terrifying. 
And, you know, it continues to other drug groups as well. A 39% increase for people that were positive in opioids, an 89% increase in fentanyl positivity among those positive for amphetamines. I mean, from 46 to 8.7%. And even benzodiazepines went up nearly 50%. I mean, this is just, it's devastating. And you see how this kind of concurrent use can contribute to the opioid overdose epidemic. Yeah, there's no question, Justin. Those numbers are staggering. So just so that I'm clear and the listeners are clear, are we saying that when we looked at the positivity for, let's say, cocaine, there was a 34% increase for those that came back with both cocaine and fentanyl in the same sample? So the 34% was of those positive for cocaine who were also positive for fentanyl. And we know that cocaine was stable over this period. So in fact, what you just said would also be true. There was also a 34% increase in the, in the combination. Now, do you think that, you know, I mean, that could be either from poly drug use or what we're seeing is perhaps the drug dealers out there are mixing fentanyl into the cocaine, into the illicit amphetamines, those kind of things. That's right. I mean, we can't know that from our data, but it's probably a bit of both. That should be terrifying for people that think they're taking drugs that aren't as dangerous as they are. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe people think something like a non-prescribed hydrocodone can't be that dangerous, but if it's spiked with fentanyl, it's extremely dangerous and um, terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Well, Justin, listen, I, I appreciate you going over the data with us. I think our listeners can really see how there is clearly some overlap between the COVID-19 pandemic and our opioid abuse epidemic. Unfortunately, sorry to report that it is on the rise again. We're seeing more fentanyl and polysubstance misuse. We're seeing more overdose deaths. And I think it has something to do with kind of taking our foot off the gas pedal on the one hand. But if you think about the triggers that have come along with COVID, social isolation, you know, most of you are familiar with Dr. Nora Volkow. She's been head of NIDA for quite some time, and she's kind of like the the godfather of addiction medicine, or I should say grandmother of addiction medicine, she thinks the single most important risk factor is social isolation. It makes patients so vulnerable to stress and to lowering their guard. And think about boredom. People are at home. They got some stimulus checks. I understand that alcohol sales are at peak highs. So it's not just illicit drugs. It's Go into the medicine cabinet. Hey, I'm kind of bored. Let's see what pills can I take? Hey, I could take my mom's pain pills or or sedatives, those kind of things. So we need to keep in mind that if we're clinicians and we're back to doing real visits, or even if you're doing telemedicine visits, we need to add this into our line of questioning. What are you doing at home to combat the boredom? What are your anxiety levels like? Are you exercising and reading or are you drinking and drugging? Like, what are you really doing with your time and we got to get back to drug testing when, when we see these patients. So I promised earlier I'd give you some alternatives to actually taking a sample in the office. Quest Diagnostics has thousands of patient service centers around the country. One option is to simply write a prescription for a drug test and send that patient to a Quest service center where everybody's in personal protective equipment and they could safely give a sample and you get an idea if, if your patient is compliant with their medication regimen and avoiding any type of illicit substances. The other thing is we've recently implemented a home testing program, even as simple as oral fluids, saliva, a saliva test. And if you're doing a telemedicine visit, you could literally watch the patient 
put the mouth swab in. You can ask them a few questions. They wait a few minutes till the indicator turns blue. They put it in the package and they send it prepaid back to Quest and we'll send you the drug testing results. So you don't have to not test your patients because we're in the middle of a pandemic. We do have options. You cannot continue to prescribe controlled substances and fly blind, for lack of a better word, without drug testing. We need that objective evidence. Prescription drug monitoring programs help by seeing what patients get at the pharmacy. It doesn't tell us about patients taking their wives' medicines or buying medicines on the streets. Keep in mind, this is not just a problem for pain centers. Substance use treatment centers have scaled back as well. They're doing home delivery of medicines. They've got to telemedicine visits as well. So keep in mind the psychological, social, financial impacts of the pandemic and the effects that it's having on our drug abuse crisis. We can't lose sight of the fact that we started to make good progress towards fixing our opioid epidemic, and now we've had a relapse, for lack of a better word. We know that drug misuse contributes to 60 or 70,000 deaths per year, and we have to get that number under control. In conclusion, our findings show that during the COVID-19 pandemic, clinical drug testing decreased while non-prescribed positivity for things like fentanyl and fentanyl drug combinations increased significantly. We need to focus on these patients and try to kind of put a damper on their external drug misuse. Justin, give us an idea of, other than that, what's our bottom line conclusion from the study? What do we recommend to clinicians moving forward? I think we really have to renew our focus on uh, education and supporting the treating clinicians that are on the front lines. I mean, just like you said, it, it, the importance of drug testing to know what your patients are actually taking is critical, and especially now. I mean, we understand the hesitation to come in to physicians' offices and things like this, but as Dr. Gooden just mentioned, there are other options, and finding out what your patients are taking, especially right now in the midst of all of, of, all of this, it's critical. Please consider it. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. On behalf of Justin Niles and myself, Dr. Jeff Gooden, I'd like to thank you for listening to this podcast. As I mentioned before, I'm a consultant to Quest Diagnostics in the Division of Prescription Drug Monitoring and Toxicology. We have a whole line of drug testing options. If you're a clinician out there interested in drug testing and don't know where to start, we have a, an RX Tox line. We have representatives out in the field. We can get you help. And by the way, that RX Tox line is there to help you with uh, interpretation of results so that when the results come back to your office, you're not alone if you don't understand drug metabolism and what should be positive and what should be negative. We're there to help you. So thank you guys for joining in. Please don't forget, visit questdrugtesting.com and listen to some of our other podcasts. And Frank, I'll turn it back over to you. Okay. Thanks so much, Dr. Gooden. Well, that does it for today's episode, The Epidemic Within the Pandemic. I'd like to thank Dr. Gooden and Justin Niles for sharing that great information and that great discussion. As Dr. Gooden mentioned, to learn more about today's topic and about Quest Diagnostics drug monitoring offering, please visit questdrugmonitoring.com. Here you'll find information on our drug monitoring test directory and offerings, as well as educational resources and insights from our team of toxicology experts. As Dr. Gooden mentioned, if you have any questions, please call our tox line at one 877 tox Here you can talk with our experts about results interpretation or what test to order. So it's a great resource for you. Finally, to listen to this and all of our podcasts, 
please be sure to visit questdrugtesting.com or subscribe through your favorite podcast venue. At Quest Diagnostics, we are committed to providing you results and information to support your clinical decisions.